The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. turn your Bible to 1 Kings 18. We'll cover verses 1 through 19 as we continue this series on the life of Elijah. When the righteous rule, the wicked do their evil deeds in secret. But when the wicked rule, the righteous do their good deeds in secret. Our passage profiles two men who fear the Lord, Elijah the prophet who does his deeds in public, and the lesser-known Obadiah, the servant of King Ahab, who does his deeds in secret. Like the Hebrew midwives, these two men stand up to an evil pagan ruler, though they serve in quite different ways. I invite you to follow along as I read this text, that we might learn how we might live with a zeal for righteousness even while living in evil days. 1 Kings 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go, tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent to seek you. And when you would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go, tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. 
So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we would ask once again that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Recently, President Trump visited Puerto Rico to review the devastation caused by Hurricane Maria and to oversee some of the relief efforts. Tensions were high as our president and the local leaders pointed fingers of blame at one another. When national catastrophes occur, whether hurricanes or mass shootings or wildfires, there's plenty of blame to go around. When our passage opens, the tensions are high. Israel has seen no rain or dew for three years. The land is bone dry. In such circumstances, people tend to blame the leader. Ahab is angry, irritable. He blames Elijah the prophet and Elijah's God. Desperate, Ahab is searching for pastures, going himself to find green pastures for his herds. And desperate enough to order an international manhunt to seek out and find Israel's most wanted, Elijah the prophet. Our passage showcases two faithful men who fear the Lord, Elijah and the lesser-known Obadiah, Ahab's chief of staff, the steward over his household. And key questions confront us in this passage. First, is, is Obadiah a hero or a coward? Is he courageous or a compromiser? Another question to ask is, where do we turn when catastrophe strikes? And lastly, how do we fear the Lord? when we face evil in our day. Well, point number one is the fear of the Lord means faithful service. Our passage opens with God commanding Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab the king. Is God crazy? Ahab has announced a death sentence on Elijah. Elijah's been a fugitive during this three-year drought and on the run from authorities. Elijah has been refused asylum from the surrounding nations who were made to promise and swear that they were not hiding Elijah secretly away from Ahab and his officials. But notice that Elijah makes no fuss, no complaint, no arguing. He obeys the Lord and trusts the Lord's protection and provision. And then we're introduced to Obadiah, who's over the household of Ahab. And we must ask, as we see this man of integrity, this man of righteousness, this man who fears the Lord, how is it possible that he can serve such a wicked pagan king as Ahab and his evil queen Jezebel? Well, if you consult the scriptures, you'll see that Obadiah is one of many faithful, godly administrators in the Bible who serve under pagan kings. Think of Joseph under Pharaoh. 
Nehemiah in the days of the kings of Persia, Daniel, and here Obadiah, whom the author of Kings gives a favorable commentary when he commends Obadiah for using his means and influence to hide 100 prophets of the Lord, taking care of their needs, hiding them and perhaps among the 100 caverns that are near Mount Carmel. One would note that where God used miraculous means to feed and provide for Elijah through ravens, through the widow of Zarephath, God uses very ordinary means to provide for these 100 other prophets of the Lord. And one would say that these prophets had as much reason to praise God when they saw Obadiah coming as Elijah did when he saw the ravens bringing him bread. May we learn not to yearn for the extraordinary, but trust God in his ordinary providence and provision. And so Ahab has sent Obadiah searching out pasture lands. You know, in this situation, there's a national security threat. The horses need grass. And the horses are the main means for military protection from the nations and enemies around them. And perhaps there's a note here that Ahab cares more for his animals and his national security than he does for the welfare of his own people. Contrast that with Obadiah, who sticks his neck out to save the prophets of the Lord. I would contend that Obadiah, as has sometimes been accused, is not compromising with the world. He is what we might call a secular saint, serving quietly and faithfully in the fear of the Lord, influencing a pagan administration for good. Makes me think of the calling of William Wilberforce, who, undergoing conversion, seeking the Lord, for a time, considered leaving British Parliament to enter into the ministry, but under the counsel of John Newton and others, decided to stay, convinced that he could do more good for society with his gifts and his influence to impact the kingdom and Parliament, which led him, who led the effort to abolish the slave trade in slavery itself across the British Empire. You know, there's very few of us that are called to be an Elijah, bold, Make, making national, receiving national attention. But there are many of us who are called to be like Obadiah, to be salt and light, to live, to work and serve as school teachers, bus drivers, secretaries, professions of all kinds, as mothers and fathers, influencing our communities for good and for righteousness. Obadiah does not use Ahab's wickedness as an excuse for second-rate work. No, he is loyal to his employer. He, he is Ahab's most trusted advisor. Ahab turns to him in this national crisis. And like him, you and I are called to do our work, whether religious or secular, to do our work with excellence, to offer first-rate service to our employer, to be respectful, to be loyal. Colossians 3 says, Slaves, Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. So as long as Ahab is not asking uh, Obadiah to do anything that violates God's commandments, he is free to remain completely loyal to his master. 
but Obadiah does demonstrate his piety by his care for the Lord's prophets. He is not a coward. He takes his stand for God at great risk to his career, to his own personal safety. He is shrewd, using his influence to protect an entire seminary of future spiritual leaders for God's people. When one fears the Lord and offers faithful service, one can face the pressures and temptations one finds in the workplace. One might be tempted to cover over another employee's mistake with a lie. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. We might be tempted to compromise our integrity to show loyalty or to gain a promotion in the workplace, to cut corners for a client, to cheat an employer of hours worked. But I'm convinced that most employers, even non-Christian ones, love reliable employees who are loyal, who are faithful, who are hardworking, and who can testify to the goodness and integrity and righteousness of the Lord our God. The second point in this passage is that the fear of the Lord means trusting God with hard things. Elijah forces Obadiah to declare ultimate allegiance by reporting back to his master and calling him to meet Elijah. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, but he also greatly feared this assignment. He says to Elijah, How have I sinned that you would hand me over to Ahab to be killed by him? And it's here that Obadiah goes on to explain to Elijah how Ahab has ordered an international manhunt, he has ordered no asylum to be given to Elijah among the surrounding nations. Obadiah explains his fear that as soon as he leaves, the Spirit of the Lord might take Elijah and whisk him away so that when he returns with his master and they can't find Elijah, his goose is cooked. Obadiah defends himself, reminding Elijah how he has feared the Lord from his youth. How he faithfully hid a hundred prophets, dividing them into fifties to meet their needs. Perhaps Obadiah is even fearing the welfare of these prophets should he be taken and killed by Ahab. But now you say, tell Ahab Elijah is here? But Elijah reassures Obadiah that as the Lord lives, I will show myself to Ahab today. This emboldens Obadiah, who obeys the Lord's command. Obadiah fears the Lord greater than he fears Ahab. He, do, he does what he feared out of obedience to God, thus reminding us that courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing the thing that you fear. Are you willing to do hard things that God calls you to do despite your fears. Maybe that's confessing your sin to your spouse or a loved one. Maybe it's caring for aging parents. Maybe it's facing up to chronic illnesses among your family. Maybe it's confronting a child and his or her sin that might disrupt that relationship. Perhaps the hard thing God calls you to do is resigning from an employer that is pressuring you to compromise your integrity. Can you trust God with a new job? 
that hard thing might be facing a bad prognosis of only having years or even months to live. There are numerous hard things that God may call us to do to serve difficult people, to forgive somebody who hurts you deeply, to show graciousness to the ungracious, to give sacrificially of time or money. And all these things and more, we're called to die to ourselves, to trust the Lord and to fear him more than we fear our circumstances. Earlier in the year, as we were making plans to start up the Bible to School Release Time Ministry to nurture our second graders, I was asked by Bible to School that we might consider overseeing the Schaefer Elementary program that had been going on for three years and was a bigger ministry. In fact, a Bible to School was asked, had to end a relationship with a host church uh, with a conflict over a statement of faith. Bible to School holds to the Bible as the Word of God and doesn't compromise on it. And a volunteer from this church uh, who refused to sign that uh, statement of faith uh, was raising problems, and so it ended with a, a broken, severed partnership. And uh, as I met with the leaders from Bible to School, I conf- affirmed them for s- taking their stance and not compromising on their very orthodox statement of faith, affirming biblical marriage and other things that were in question by this church. We found a new host, Harvest Bible Bible Church over on Eden Road, and have for 32 children and 12 from unchurched backgrounds being served and ministered to. In fact, these children were actually bused over to Harvest Bible Church from Schaefer Elementary, and the buses were provided for free by Brightbill Transportation, the same transportation company that, that buses, that provides the busing for Mannheim Township. Well, then we found the first week, as the bus we were using had Mannheim Township printed on the side, well, people complained over the appearance that public school funds were being used for the busing, and of course, that was not the case because these buses were not owned by the township. They're owned by Brightville Transportation, but out of accommodation to the complaints and the appearances of using public funds, Brightville Transportation, who uh, shows remarkable integrity, uh, has given us a bus that says Brightville Transportation on the side. So we have a wonderful alternative to provide free busing and free volunteer bus drivers to uh, introduce children to the Word of God. And I think uh, Bible School and other ministries like them demonstrate the importance of obeying God rather than men. To trust God and trust that God will be glorified when you stand firm with your integrity. Now you may suffer, you may have persecution. You may not always be spared the painful consequences for standing true to God's word, but in the long run, integrity pays off, especially the long run of eternity. Our third point is that the fear of the Lord means taking a stand against evil. At last, Ahab and Elijah meet. Ahab, the accuser, the manipulator, The chief blame shifter calls Elijah the troubler of Israel. More literally, it means you're the one who has brought curse on Israel. Well, if that's not the pot calling the kettle black, as uh, Elijah in response calls out Ahab boldly and says, not I, but you and your father's house has brought curse and God's divine judgment upon the nation of Israel because of their failure to obey God's commands having abandoned God's commandments, having worshipped 
the false god Baal, they are reaping what they have sown and receiving the divine punishment of God. The root, one of the major roots of our own nation's troubles is that churches have abandoned the word of God. I was meeting this past week with Walt Mueller, member here and founder of Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And I was asking him, over his 29 years of service in, in uh, this youth ministry of equipping youth workers and parents, you know, what trends have you seen in youth ministry? And he sadly had to admit that what he has seen is a trend towards youth leaders going shallow on God's word, and more and more today affirming alternative lifestyles that are in conflict with the Bible. In fact, one prominent youth leader admitted to Walt that he merely follows his heart on these difficult issues to see whether or not his head may follow later. Well, the Bible commands us to do the opposite, to set our minds on the things of God and to let our heart passions conform to the true convictions of God. Sadly, in our day, rational objective faith is becoming romanticism. Subjectivism, meism, whatever you feel is true is right for you. Sadly, we live in a day where even the supposed people of God are watering down God's word, descending into error and to idolatrous beliefs, where leaders are more eager to accommodate people than pleasing God in the fear of the Lord. So Ahab is holding Elijah responsible for the famine. In the land, he accuses Elijah of treason. Well, what else is new? The world shuts its ears to God's word. It casts blame on God's people. When trouble strikes, the world refuses to turn back to God. People of the world turn against God and against God's people, make efforts to wipe out God's people, to eliminate faith, illustrated here by Jezebel, who sought to kill all the seminary students. On a side note, I believe that there are two things that are diminishing young men entering our seminaries today, which are, have, have low enrollments, namely debt and porn. Heavy financial burdens from college and young men feeling disqualified, deeply engrossed in a hypersexualized culture are hindering men from entering the ministry. Pray for our young men to be free from the addictions of debt and porn to be free to serve the Lord as preachers of righteousness. Phil Riken says that the peaceful work of preaching the gospel is a threat to the fortress of evil. The values of the kingdom of heaven are such a total reversal of the values of the kingdom of this world that faithful servants of God always seem like troublemakers in the eyes of the world. Recall that religious leaders said of Paul, for we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world. Emperor Nero blamed Christians for the burning of Rome and fed many of them to his dogs or burned them to death as human torches. Martin Luther preached justification by grace alone, through faith alone, and the Pope called him a pest, a virus. John Calvin, as he wrote his institutes, in large measure was defending the Reformation against charges that Protestants were lawless troublemakers. Jesus was being accused of being a great troublemaker, accused of misleading the people, a drunkard, fraternizing with sinners, and breaking the Sabbath, defying the traditions of the scribes and Pharisees. 
and in his apostles were the great troublemakers who turned the world upside down by the preaching of the gospel and laying the charge at the feet of the authorities who crucified the Lord of glory. You and I will be considered troublemakers. We won't go along with the culture's sexual ethics when we will not affirm that all religions are the same. Believers in the Lord will be considered strange, a strange, stubborn breed who view things differently from those in positions of power and influence. The communist government in China considers believers troublemakers. And the God of the Bible is a threat, the God who answers by fire, spreading the flame of the gospel from heart to heart across China's hundreds of millions of people. Our missions conference speaker next March, we Bob Fu, Chinese pastor, troublemaker in the eyes of the Chinese government, one who escaped prison to start China Aid and to provide a voice to the persecuted church to help pressure China to respect religious freedom. The preaching of the gospel draws some to saving faith. But does make others bitter enemies towards God and his people. Some estimate that there have been some 200,000 Christian martyrs every year since 1970. No, it's Ahab in this passage who is the true troubler of Israel. He is the cause of the famine by his unbelief, disobedience, his idolatry. He is guilty of sins of omission and commission. Failing to honor the Lord and committing gross idolatry with false gods. Like Pharaoh, Ahab only desired relief from divine punishment. He was not interested in turning back to God in repentance. The righteous King David, when he fell under divine judgment for his sin, he repented. God relented. Often we are the cause of our own spiritual difficulties. And when that is the case, we must not blame others. We must take responsibility for ourselves and repent. But Jesus was no troublemaker. He brought all of our trouble on himself to save us from the divine judgment that we deserve. Most people look for someone else to blame. Jesus took the blame on himself in our place. And those who fear the Lord must recognize the great state of trouble that we are in under divine wrath for our own idolatry, sin, rebellion, and unbelief. Fearing God means trusting in the work of God by casting all of our troubles upon his Son, who alone gives us provision for salvation, relief from the eternal famine that is the judgment to come. It's through Jesus Christ that we are welcomed at the feast of God to find relief and hope and replenishment and refreshment for all eternity. God seeks those who are loyal to him, those who truly fear the Lord. Of course, the world, the state, and other Idolatrous institutions want our loyalty. Your time will only tell how much longer Ameri- the American experiment will persist and tolerate freedom of religion and worship. 
more and more in a post-Christian society. And our government will pressure believers to kowtow to their gods in the name of unity and uniformity. We do need some Elijahs. Pray that God would raise up Elijahs who will help shake things up on a national level. But we need lots more Obadiahs, people who are faithful, who are zealous for righteousness, who serve the Lord quietly, who are influencing like leaven spread throughout the loaf in the places where we live, work, and serve. That like Elijah, like Obadiah, we would stand our ground in the fear of the Lord, confronting lies with truth, returning evil with kindness, showing grace when reviled and fearing God rather than men. May the Lord make it so and raise up his faithful ones to serve in these evil days. Let us pray. Our gracious God, our Father, we are grateful for these men of faith who have stood the ground against evil, who have been an example for us, who have pointed the way towards the one who has conquered sin and death, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who faced hideous evil, who took all of our trouble upon himself to free us to live for righteousness and truth, for the praise of your honor and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.